Welcome to Crossroads. I'm John Arnold, pastor of Crossroads Ministries. Crossroads is a family-oriented ministry that provides programs of spiritual growth for all ages. The church is located on Route 88, one mile south of Trax Farm, between South Park and Finleyville. If you're within driving distance, we invite you to enjoy a service of worship and the Word at 9.30 or 11 on Sunday. Check us out on the web at crossroadsministries.com. Let's open our Bibles today to the book of Ephesians, chapter 3. We're talking to you these days about the person that God used to wake up the world. And, of course, that's none other than the Apostle Paul, the great Apostle to the Gentiles. Let's begin reading together in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1. For this reason, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles. Before Christmas came along, we were talking to you from these pages. And we said earlier that uh, Paul could have very easily said he was a prisoner of the Roman Empire, because that he was. If you want a little background on this passage of Scripture, you have to go to the last chapter of the book of Acts. And in the last chapter of Acts, we have Paul in prison. I call it house arrest. Uh, Rome is letting his, him have visitors. People are coming to see him. People are coming to talk to him. And uh, he's doing what he does best. Uh, he's preaching the gospel. Uh, maybe in a little different format but he's giving out the Word of God, and he's writing these letters that you and I are enjoying today. Uh, he wrote uh, Philippians, he wrote Colossians, he wrote Ephesians, and he wrote Philemon here in this setting. And uh, he's saying to us in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, that he is a prisoner of Jesus Christ. He's there because of the Lord. In other words, the Lord wanted him to be there. Uh, if there's anything that the Apostle Paul teaches us in the Bible, it's how to turn something good out of something bad. You know, we look at things and we kind of rate them that way, don't we? We say, well, this is good and this is bad. Uh, I, w I wish this wouldn't have happened. Boy, I hope this can happen. Paul is looking at this from another perspective. Uh, I think he's looking at it from the perspective of Psalm 37.23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. I, I think that in the morning Paul got up and he said, Okay, Lord, here we go. He had his morning devotions. Uh, Psalm 55.17 says, Back in those days, uh, the Jewish nation prayed three times a day. Evening, morning, and at noon will I pray and cry aloud, and the Lord will hear my voice. And so in the morning... He came before the Lord and he prayed to the Lord and he said, Lord, I believe your word. I believe that you're going to go with me today and, and we're going to walk this journey together. And so therefore, wherever you lead me, that's going to be okay with me. Uh, all of that, I think, just jumps out at us in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, as we compare it to the other passages of Scripture about Paul. Look at verse number 2. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, the special ministry which was given to me for you. Paul said, God gave me something special to give to you. And he's referring here to the Gentile nations. Uh, God used Paul to, to give a wake-up call to the world. It was asleep 
It was spiritually dead. And God used him as a mighty meteor to go into that realm and to wake up the dead. Verse 3. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery that I have briefly written already. And that refers to his comments earlier in the book of Ephesians. By which when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known to the sons of men, as it has been made revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. Paul said, now the message is getting out. It's getting out through me. It's getting out through the apostles. It's getting out through the prophets. Uh, these were those original uh, waymakers. These were the people that went out and made the way clear, began to establish the foundation of the church, and the message was being proliferated that that Jesus came into this world to save everybody, just not the chosen people, just not the people that lived in Israel, but the people of all the world. Verse 6 that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body. That's the mystery. And partakers of his promise in Christ through the gospel. This was the message that God used, the gospel. It's the greatest story ever told about the greatest person who ever lived, about the greatest offer that was ever made. What a message. Remember Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, but also to the Greek, also to the Gentiles. Now we're in Ephesians chapter 1, or excuse me, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7. Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God given to me. Paul said, this was not my idea. Uh, this thing of preaching the gospel. It was a gift of grace that God gave to me by the effective working of his power. Now, verse number 8 has always been an amazing verse to me because, because in my mind's eye, whenever I think of the Apostle Paul, I think of this magnanimous personality. This person who literally walked across the pages of history, walked across the pages of geography, and it seems like almost everywhere he planted his foot, a church grew. But I want you to see the estimate that Paul is giving here of himself. In verse number 8, I am least of all the saints. Actually, more specifically, he says, I am less than the least. And so let you and I kind of put that in a, uh, a modern day setting today. Look around the church. Kind of uh, do what we're not supposed to do. You know, classify people just a little bit. You know, the Bible says, by their fruits you shall know them. And we say, well, that person is really a great Christian, or that person really uh, just can't get their act together. Paul said, whenever you get down to the bottom of the pile, I want you to look below that, and that's where I consider myself to be. I am less than the least of all the saints. This grace was given to me. Now, uh, this was a statement that he made uh, that I think was accented by other statements that he made about himself as well. Remember, he said, I am the least of the apostles. 
also. And so you put that whole picture together, and I think what Paul is saying to us is, is uh, if God can use me, he can use you. And, uh, and that really helps me. Because even though Paul was forgiven by the grace of God for, the, uh, for his lifestyle, what he did, uh, in some special way he couldn't forgive himself. He, uh, he held that persecution, the persecution of the church, over his own head. And uh, whenever he began to be puffed up a little bit, he always thought about where he came from. How God met him on the road to Damascus. How God saved him by his incredible power and lifted him up to do something that no one had ever been able to do. And that's to go out and wake up the Gentile world. Wake up the world around him. Nobody was able to do that heretofore. And so uh, he said, listen, I just want you to know who it is that's doing all of this. It's not me because I'm less than the least of all the saints. It's not me because I'm least of the apostles. But uh, if I can do it, you can do it too. And so uh, that's a message for you and me today. Let's look at verse number 9. We're in Ephesians chapter 3. And to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God, who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to principalities and powers in heavenly places. Now this is our invisible audience right here. You know, the church has uh, an audience that is visible and the church has an audience that is is invisible. Uh, Whenever, you know, we're building our little churches in our little communities and and uh, people are looking at the church, and I'll tell you what, they're analyzing every move of the church. You know that, and I know that. The church is on display, isn't it? The church today is under a lot of scrutiny. Uh, people are getting their microscopes out, looking at the church. Is the church really real? And, uh, you know, sometimes we wish they saw the church in a different light. And uh, sometimes we perform as a church for the community. But Paul here is opening up a whole new dimension of the people that we performed before. Let's read that verse carefully one more time, Ephesians 3.10. To the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to principalities and powers in heavenly places. Throughout the whole book of Ephesians, we find this statement, the heavenly places. Someone told me many years ago that the deepest book of the New Testament is the book of Ephesians. You know, especially when you get into those early chapters and uh, there's all these terms that are used and how they need to be correctly defined. The first half of the book of Ephesians is doctrinal teaching. The second half of the book of Ephesians is practical. Uh, That's kind of the way Paul taught. He taught those things which were doctrinal, those things are important these are the foundational truths of the church and then he taught taught us how to carry those things out in practical application well here he says, listen, I want you to know that you're on display as a church uh, not just to the people who live around you but into the invisible world 
the people that uh, you never thought had an eye on you. They are principalities and powers. Who are these? Well, they're good angels and they are bad angels. I, I love the study of angels in the Bible. I really do. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14 says, Angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister for you and me, the heirs of salvation. They are our servants. Uh, it's, uh, I try to see them everywhere, really, because the Bible says to be on guard, look for them. They're around you. And, uh, and for those of you who have read the New Testament pretty often, you know that the Bible says, listen, we have to really be aware that uh, these people that come into our life uh, sometimes very quickly and leave very quickly may very well be angels sent by God uh, to bail us out, to help us in difficult cir circumstances. I've had many people tell me through the years they felt that they had had at least one angelic encounter. Some horrific thing happened to them. Out of nowhere this person comes and kind of comes to their rescue. That's what angels are for. They're in the rescue business. Uh, comes to their rescue and uh, does their job and all of a sudden they're gone. Nobody knew who they were. Nobody knew what their name was. They were, they were God's good angels dispatched by the Lord. Uh, what a wonderful thought for us to be aware of these angelic spirits. Now, when you come to verse number 10 of Ephesians chapter 3, I want you to look at it in terms of good and bad angels. Bad angels we call demons. Uh, and uh, the scripture is filled with information about demonic activity. We don't like to dwell on that, but we don't want to skip over that either because uh, that's, it's very real. And uh, we don't want to be preoccupied with it like some people are preoccupied with the devil and, and his demon forces. We don't want to be preoccupied with that. We want to be preoccupied with Christ. But we don't want to miss what is a part of the whole counsel of God, do we? We don't want to skip over that and when somebody is, somebody is blindsided by the devil, uh, they're going to come away and say, listen, I never knew that. Uh, was a part of living the Christian life. It really is living. That is a part of living the Christian life. Because if you hold your place with me there in Ephesians chapter 3 and turn over to Ephesians chapter 6, we find this whole passage here about these principalities and powers. Do you have it right there in front of you? Ephesians 6.10, let's look at it. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the tricks of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Now this is a revelation right here, isn't it? Because oftentimes whenever we think about all the obstacles we have in the ministry, we attach names to them, right? You know, with Mr. So-and-so or Mrs. So-and-so and, and um, Mr. Smith and... and uh, Mrs. Jones and things like that. We, we put names on them, but uh, we really shouldn't. Uh, they're probably not part, a, a, a very great part of the issue. The Bible says here, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, 
against the spiritual host of wickedness where? In heavenly places. Now remember what I just said to you a minute ago? That repeatedly, at least five times in the book of Ephesians, we have that statement, in heavenly places. Paul is trying to get us to get our eyes off of ourself, get our eyes off of each other, and realize that our battle is so much greater and a lot of it has to do with those things which we cannot see in heavenly places and this is what he's emphasizing right here in Ephesians chapter 6 that our battle primarily comes from heavenly places the invisible world and then he gives this tremendous uh, advice verse 13 Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. I love that. I really do. You know, I've been in the ministry long enough to have seen a lot of people stand and fall. A lot of people come and go. But Paul says, listen, when it's all said and done and all the dust clears, all the smoke is gone, I want, to, I want to be able to look at you and see you standing. Now, you may be a little messed up. You may have some, some wounds. But you will not be mortally wounded if you put on the armor of God. He says, I want to see you stand. He keeps using this word, stand. Look at verse 14. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Boy, what a wonderful thought that is. Uh, just stand for the truth. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel, and above all, taking the shield of faith, with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one or the devil or Satan. Satan keeps throwing us a lot of darts, doesn't he? A lot of arrows are being shot your way. And you're listening to the broadcast today and you're saying, boy, if you only knew what I was going through, well... Uh, I have a little uh, a little insight into human life. Uh, I've been in the ministry many years, and I've seen, observed, of course, my own life and the lives of many people that I've known. Uh, we take a lot of shots. There's a lot of arrows coming our way. Uh, he says, listen, you have to have the shield of faith. Verse 17, it says, Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. We have to have a sharp sword. And not only to use, but to, but to rely upon the promises of the Word of God. Because in our world, you know, uh, when we look around, oftentimes we think, boy, I'm really losing this battle. I'm getting shot up so bad. I'm wounded. I'm bloody. Uh, I'm getting beat up. We have to then reach into the Word of God and rely upon the promises of the Word. That's the sword of the Spirit. And we have to believe what God says rather than the circumstances of our life. And I know a lot of people would say, well, you know, that's, that's really naive and, or that's uh, really not realistic. Well, you know, faith is something different. Faith is believing God rather than man. It's believing God rather than circumstances. Um, I said to you that Paul also wrote the book of Philippians, and I'm just turning over here a couple pages in my Bible. Uh, to one of my all-time favorite verses of the Bible, Philippians 4.13. You know what it is. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Uh, I can't tell you how many thousands of times in my Christian experience I have claimed that verse. And even recently, 
you know, many times we think, well, you know, if I get when I get older in the faith, uh, then I won't have to be feel so weak, or I won't have to rely upon God so much. But that's really not true. Oftentimes, the older we grow in the faith, we realize we realize the re- real reality of how weak we really are, and we realize the the absolute necessity of depending upon uh, throwing our dependence upon the Lord for every single aspect of our life and so uh, we approach things and and I do and I approach things and I say to myself you know I don't think I can really do this this is way outside of my league and then I go to this verse and I claim it Lord you said in your word I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And that, that verse uh, simply means that we can, with the strength of Christ, face every situation. Boy, we've had a lot of tough situations. And, uh, and when you take that verse, it somehow just gives you the strength, the energy, the commitment to get through it. To put your weak hand in the hand of God and say, Okay, God. You said in your word that we can do it. I'm trusting you, and I'm going to go through this thing with you. Now, back to Ephesians chapter 6. We find here the story of Paul is uh, telling about the battles that we have as a Christian. And it relates to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10. We are on display. The good angels of God are cheering us on. Uh, the wicked demonic forces of the devil are jeering us. Uh, they are hoping for our defeat. They are rooting for our destruction. And all of that is going on, and we don't even know it's going on. It's in the invisible world, in the heavenly places. Uh, the most wonderful thought, though, of it all is, is how God has designed for you and me to win the battle. In Ephesians 3.17 it says that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. I love that. It uh, relates directly to 1 John 4.4. Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. And so with all of this struggle that all of us are going through, uh, Paul says, listen, Christ is in you. When you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, when you turned away from your sins to God's solution, Jesus Christ, He came into your heart. That's what Ephesians 3.17 says. That Christ may dwell in your heart through faith. And then he goes on down through that whole passage and he says, listen, verse 20, Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that is at work in us. In us. What power is that? That's the power of the Holy Spirit. God's power of the Holy Spirit has provided for you and me a victory. You know, when I look back over the history of our church, I was just thinking the other day of all the mighty, mighty Christians that I have touched base with, so to speak, in the church throughout the years. Um, You know, I think of Francis Waddell. Um, Many of of you listening may even know her. She made such an impact on our western Pennsylvania area. Uh, She prevailed in the midst of all of her difficulties, 
in the midst of all of the trials that she had to go through physically, uh, she was one of God's mighty servants. And, uh, and it was not because of anything that she had done, but she had learned to lean on the promises of God. She had learned to, to turn herself over to the power of the Holy Spirit. And verse number 20 just kind of capsulizes that whole idea. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. You know, I know sometimes I wish, you know, boy, I just hope I can get through this. God wants to set my sights higher than that. He wants me to do more than get through it. He wants me to be able to really prevail and to, and to be surprised at God's answer whenever we surrender ourselves and show him how weak we really are. That's when God really comes to the rescue. He does. Well, it's so, been, it's so good talking to you today on the broadcast. I hope uh, the message from Ephesians chapter 3 and related verses has been a blessing to you today. And uh, we'll be looking forward to coming your way the same time next time. May God bless you and yours. You've been listening to Crossroads, the intersection of faith and life. Crossroads Ministries is a family ministry that provides programs of spiritual growth for all ages. If you're looking for a church with exciting challenges for young people, led by a mature staff of trained workers, and Bible teaching that is life-related, Crossroads may just be what you're seeking. Check us out on the web at crossroadsministries.com. Now until we come your way next time, may God bless you and yours is our prayer.